0: Yeah, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the School Bridge Podcast. I'm Piers. I'm Maggie.
1: And this is episode one, where we're talking about unit planning.
0: Yeah, we're going to break unit planning down into what we think are the five most important like chapters to think about.
1: So we've got chapter one, thinking holistically about unit planning. Chapter two, what are the foundations of unit planning? Chapter three is how to bring in diverse perspectives into your unit. Mm-hmm. Chapter four is all of the differentiation and accommodation you'll do in your unit. And then chapter five is how to bring in vocab. Yeah. So let's get going. Let's do it. All right, so Maggie, when you say like think holistically, what are you really talking about with your unit plan?
0: Yes, I know that term can sound really fluffy. Um, but I, when I say that, I'm just thinking about really zooming out and looking at the big picture of the unit before you get into the nitty gritty because obviously we will but this you know a unit is a big chunk of learning time for you and your kids and you want to make sure to the best of our ability that we can make it engaging and relevant and and spend some time really looking at the big picture you know and so something i really like to do is think about the different types of lessons that might happen within a unit um before you know, you start ahead of time so that they don't get redundant. So like a checklist. Mm -hmm. So you might have within every unit, I try to have like a movie day, not like a movie, but you know, like documentary clips or things like that. I teach history. Um, I try and have like a group work, like a collaborative kind of station rotation type day Um, and doing all that ahead of time before you start the actual planning.
1: Yeah, I, I like that. I like thinking about, you know, if I have my unit in front of me, And I had a blank piece of paper and I was brainstorming. Mm -hmm. Like, what are all the amazing student experiences you could have in the unit? You know, like I teach science. Like, what kind of labs do I want to do? Yeah. Do I want to bring in any speakers? Like you said, you know, like what kind of multimedia do you want to have? Like, do you want to have a certain documentary clip? Right. In there.
0: Right. Or again, like primary sources. That's something I try to, to incorporate into every unit. So before you get started, just almost making like a, like a a wish list checklist kind of thing. Oh, it's because
1: I was say wish list. I love that. Yeah.
0: Like I, I, I'd i really love for this unit to have a speaker and primary source analysis and a documentary day and station work.
1: A research day in the library.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Like what if you're going to do your unit planning, just sit down and what is your unit planning dream? Mm-hmm. And do that before you even do any of you know your traditional planning.
0: Right. Which I know is hard during the school year. Like especially October or May. That's, that's hard. Um, and that can be a really nice thing to do during the summer. That's something that, you know, we're doing, um, it's July. Uh, but even if you can take like 15 minutes before you get into the nitty gritty, that can be a really cool thing to do. I think it just makes your units a little bit better.
1: And then I think if when you're doing your, like your, your zoom out thinking about your unit, Mm -hmm. that's also when you can tie in your spiraling. Yes. You know, what did you teach in the last unit that you're gonna make sure that you hit again this unit? Or what did the kids learn last year that then you can tie in with this current unit and you can start thinking about, you know, you always hear it, like make sure you collaborate with your other teachers, yes, but yes. there's never any real time to plan that out. Mm-hmm. This is the time when you can do it is when you're, you're sitting down and you're thinking, all right, if I teach science, what are they learning in math? Yeah. Or if I'm gonna talk about certain figures in history, what are they learning about in history that I can tie
0: in or they already know? Right, right. And I think like spiraling seems so simple and so easy. Like, oh, you just like revisit the things, you, you know? just hit the old standards. Just cover the old standards. But you you do have to be intentional about that. And I, I don't think it's a heavy lift, but you need that time to, to process it, right? Because it's a very cognitive, like heavy activity.
1: Right. Like I think unit planning has such a, like a process to it. Like I'm going to sit down Mm -hmm. and I'm going to fully backwards plan it. But sometimes I just want to throw things on the wall and brainstorm it and mind map it and say, I really want to include all these things. I just don't know where they go yet, but I'm going to put them all down. Yeah. Like on a piece of paper, I'm going to think about who I can collaborate with.
0: Yeah. And you can get creative with it too. Like one of my favorite things. So history is obviously we do a lot of skills, but we do a lot of just straight content too, you know, and, i think sometimes it can feel daunting to spiral content necessarily but you can look at like big picture themes you know so i spiral in the american revolution when we get to certain protests much later in history because it's still like power dynamics you know and you can still revisit things like that which can be really fun
1: all right so that was chapter one anything else we want to include for for thinking or zooming out about our unit
0: I think that's good. Should we get into the nitty gritty with uh, like foundational thinking?
1: Yeah. All right. Now, now this part is going to be kind of like your standard backwards planning approach to Mm -hmm. unit planning. Yep. Where, I mean, the very first thing you need to do is, I mean, what knowledge and skills are they actually going to learn in the unit? What standards do you need to hit?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And like that can, again, be something that seems simple. But we, we have to start with our standards, especially if you're in a school that relies on testing, right, as a lot of our schools right. do. Um, what standards do I need to cover? And then within each standard, okay, what knowledge is included in this large standard? Um, what skills are included in this standard? And then that's how we get our objectives.
1: Yeah, it, it can be tempting, too, to even take out your calendar already and mm-hmm. say, all right, I need to have a 10-day unit. And then you try and fit in the standards into that 10-day unit. Yep. But you got to start with the standards. Yep. You got to say, I'm going to hit these like three really broad standards mm-hmm. or these eight really specific standards. I'm going to list them. You know, I'm going to break them down. What are my skills that the kids would have to be able to do? What's the knowledge that they need to acquire? Yeah. And then when I have my list of knowledge and skills, then I can kind of start sequencing those knowledge and skills. And that's when I can get out the calendar and think about, all right, I estimate that I'll need eight days for this or 20 days for this. Exactly. You got to have that flex day.
0: Always, (laughs) always include a flex day. (laughs) Something's
1: going to come up. Like that lesson (laughs) you think is going to take one day is going to take two.
0: Oh my gosh. That took me way too many years to learn. Always building a flex day.
1: I I like it too. I mean, let's say that you have like a, like a, you need 10 days to do your unit. Yeah. Maybe plan for 12 because then you have your flex day. And then if you realize that you're, you're good and you're going to finish on time, you can always have a day of reflection.
0: Right. Absolutely. Or extension, you know, or maybe you want a review day. Um,
1: Oh, the review day. I always forget the review day.
0: Yeah. Review days are amazing. They can be super helpful and you can build reflection into a review day. Right. You know, but yeah, no, no, you're right. Like we, we break it down. We get our knowledge and skills. Um, and then, then I think you can start the actual backwards planning, like you said, like pace it out. When is when is the assessment day slash is there an assessment slash what type of assessment is there? Because that's right. a whole nother game to play, you know. And
1: you got to bring in, you know, your, when you were thinking holistically about your unit, like when is your speaker going to come in? Yeah. Right. When is your library research day? Yeah. When's your documentary day? Yeah. You know, if it's a project and you're going to have presentations... I always think that I can get my whole class to do the presentations in like two or three days Mm -hmm. and then somebody's sick (laughs) and then you you need another day. Yep. Yep. All right. I love that. So you're, you're doing your, your backwards plan. Like what's your goal at the end? Your goal is to master these standards or your goal is to, is to have a great project. Mm -hmm. What, what evidence are you going to have to make sure that you've achieved that goal?
0: And that's a whole nother like, thing to tackle when unit planning, right? What type of assessment do you want? Um, Do you want a traditional exam with, you know, some multiple choice questions? Do you want a paper? Yeah. Do you have a project? Um, And then of course, do you have any other assessments along the way? Do you have quizzes, reading checks, whatever?
1: And you know that your instructional coach is going to say, well, you need to write your assessment, Before you do any actual planning, Mm -hmm. like, are you going to be a real pro and like (laughs) write that assessment before you actually teach any of the lessons? Because how many times do you do your unit planning and you sequence everything out and you still write the test the night before? I
0: know. I know. And like, you're right. Ideally, and we all want to be the best that we can, but you get your knowledge and skills, right? You get your standards, you break down your knowledge and skills, and then you write your test. Right, That's how it should go.
1: <laughs> and then you should say, okay, here's my test or here's yes. my project. I know that I'm going to need 20 days to do it. Yeah. yeah. And then you sit down with your calendar and you say, you know what? It's awesome if we can end on a Friday. I or know. maybe the assessment or the project is going to be due that next week. Mm-hmm. It only gets tricky when the holidays get in the way.
0: Right. And so you, I mean, that's like a non-negotiable for me is I have to have my, my specific school calendar when I'm doing that unit planning or else you're going to wind up in trouble.
1: And hopefully you've already looked at your calendar and you've already counted out how many lessons you're going to have for that year. Yeah. Like I think last year I had like 96 lessons or that's like my ideal is 96 like total possible lessons. And that's not including all of the testing, all of the review days. Right. All of the flex days that you have to build in.
0: Community days. Community days. Yeah, yeah.
1: There's always that unit too between Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's like exactly, you know, <laughs> 3 weeks. Three weeks yes. <laughs> but then half of the kids are absent uh, like the, the 2 last days day before. Or two. Oh
0: my gosh. That's so true. Yeah, I I think maybe 2 or 3 years ago I learned to stop doing that. I think now my test my end of unit test for that is always like the Tuesday or Wednesday right. before winter break starts.
1: Yeah, and then you you think of fun things to do for those last couple of days.
0: Yeah. But that you're bringing you're making me think of another important point with that kind of foundational planning for looking at a unit, and that's if it's a unit you've already taught. So, if you've been teaching for a little while or even if it's only the second go around of teaching this unit, you taught it the prior year. I think the planning process looks different right? Because you've already done it. And so it's much more about reflection and looking at what went well, um, what needs to be changed. I, when I'm doing my best, I really like to make comments in my Google Doc as soon as I finish a unit for the next year when it's fresh. Um, but also challenging ourselves. If it's a unit that we've taught for a number of years and we haven't changed much, really pushing ourselves to go are we is this just kind of a safe unit that's stuck in a rut um is it excellent and so we shouldn't change it because it's great or is it time to audit that lesson or unit and see what we should change you know
1: i think that's the, like that's all of our goals right yeah like you have you plan a really great unit your first couple years mm-hmm. and then later down the road you're reflecting like okay this was a three-week unit that we had and it gets like you kind of lose some momentum in that third week. Yeah. So, what can you change? Yeah. Or it's kind of rushed in the end of the week. Yep. So, if you have taught it before, I love that you said that. You just go into your Google Doc and then you add in the comments. Yeah. And then your co teachers know like what you're planning on changing then too.
0: Exactly. It's a game changer. It's, yeah. Okay. Cause you can say right then, like, you know, I don't know, lesson seven um, took way too long. We need two days next year. Um, or this would be a great place to put in some more diverse voices, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. But, you know, you can make kind of comments right. that you don't need to implement right then and there, but then each year you can tweak it and get a little bit better, you know, and that's the goal.
1: Yeah, this amazing new documentary came out, and yeah. I want to show it. Yeah. Right? Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Right. so we've, we've thought about our big picture unit planning. Mm-hmm. Then we've started to actually put that down on paper where we say, you know, these are the knowledge and skills that I need to teach. This is the order that I'm going to teach it. Yeah. I have my calendar. What should we talk about next?
0: I think chapter three then is like DEI or diverse perspectives.
1: Checking your biases. Checking
0: your biases. Um, and seeing how we can make our units like more whole, right. you know? Um, and obviously this is, a bit more applicable for some content areas than others, but every content area can examine this and then you know, make some take some steps basically. Right. Yeah.
1: Like anytime you have your, you know, what you think you have, you're starting to get a finished product.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where are your blind spots?
0: Right. And I think that's one of the big pieces. I feel like I see kind of three like like bullet points under under DEI. And that's the first one is our own biases. Right. Um, and not like trying to change ourselves or change, you know, what that is, but just being aware, just, just knowing what my schooling looked like or what I think is really important that, you know,
1: yeah. Just trying to improve. Yeah. Like I've always taught science and Mm -hmm. when you start bringing in, you know, who discovered what. You don't always talk about the teams that are behind it or the underrepresented voices in there.
0: Exactly, and
1: that's especially something that you can think about when you've taught your unit before. Is just take a you know, a, a take a good detailed look at your lessons and say, am I covering all the bases and all the voices that should be included? Yeah, in this process.
0: Well, and that's the second like bullet point that I think of is those diverse perspectives um, and different voices and the example you just used is perfect because there's there's always more people involved. That's something that my team and I did um, when looking at different historical events is, of course you have your heroes that you right. know have been known for hundreds of years or longer. Um, and they that's fine. We don't, we don't need to change that, but who helped them, right? Who else was involved? who who else was there that was impacted or affected? And just trying to get a much more, um, complete, complete. Thank you. A much more complete picture of all the human beings who are involved and the kids love it.
1: When you always say like with the kids, like kids need, need mirrors and kids need windows. Yep. Right. Yep. Like where are they seeing themselves in your unit plan? Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So the, the, that's like a kind of a buzz term Right. right now for DEI work, but Windows and mirrors are awesome, and it's a really good check when you're unit or lesson planning because, like you said, like a, a window is when I'm, I'm looking out and I'm seeing something that's different from myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a mirror is when I'm, I'm looking and I'm seeing myself, myself reflected. And ideally, we have windows and mirrors all the time for our students. And sometimes you can do things like I could be teaching something in the southwest and someone could be teaching something in New York and we could have the same windows but mirrors are are kind of unique to your kids you know you need to know your student body yeah um and the background and makeup of your kids and when you can include something some piece of them and they they light up when they see that mm-hmm. it's really cool yeah and it's like any type of identity right it could be um a racial identity or a gender identity or it could be you know a type of learning or a family structure or i mean it's all all different things that make up the complex human beings that we are you know
1: uh, i love so we're, as we're talking about unit planning i keep thinking about you know this upside down pyramid where we were really broad mm-hmm. we were really wide we were thinking about like our big picture dreams and our ideas we're getting more narrow when you're going through your your sequence what lessons you'll actually do and now I like that we're just getting more precise about okay within those individual lessons who is being included who is being discussed
0: that's the perfect visual are you a teacher
1: I'm a teacher are you a teacher
0: (laughs) that's an excellent visual because our next two chapters are even more specific so yeah we're zooming zooming in
1: and now I think we need to talk about all right we have the learners in our room Mm -hmm. within our unit how are we making sure that those uh, that every learner in our school or sorry every learner in our classroom Mm -hmm. has access to the content yes so now we're talking about differentiation and accommodation
0: and that's that's what it's all about is access right and making sure that everyone in our room can can do the work and learn the things yeah um and i think it's really good at the beginning of the unit to re-familiarize yourself with any accommodations that your kids have. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, everyone does their best with that to know them all the time, but it's really good to sit down and just do another run through. Right. Um, if you have any kiddos with IEPs or, or learning profiles of any type to see what that child's specific accommodations are.
1: Yeah. I love, you know, you should always be doing this, but when you're approaching a new unit, all of like, we have a great team and they keep um, everybody's accommodations in a confidential document and you open up those documents just to make sure that mm-hmm. okay during this unit I am making sure that this specific student that I'm thinking of has access to these standards exactly. and then I'm making sure that I'm thinking of them well beforehand and I'm not trying to differentiate or accommodate on the spot
0: right exactly I like making, I started doing this a couple years ago where I make a document that obviously is very secure but it's a cheat sheet for my any of my students who have accommodations mm-hmm. and I go through their plan and just write down the specific accommodations for each kid so that I can check it really quickly without having to open lots of files and documents and that's what I like to check before a unit. That's kind of a, a little tip I started a couple years ago.
1: You made me think of something that I probably should have mentioned before when you're doing your your unit, like your backwards planning mm-hmm. and you're looking at your standards is I should bring in the standards that are just above what I'm trying to teach oh. to make sure that I'm I'm um, making sure that I differentiate up for my gifted learners. And I'm also looking at the standards that lead into mm-hmm. what I'm trying to teach so that it's naturally scaffolded. That's
0: a great point. I can
1: think about, you know, this is what they should have had exposure to in previous years that I can start spiraling back in. Yeah. So kind of looking at the the standard band.
0: That's a really good point. Yeah, and that helps with spiraling too, like you said.
1: Yeah. So okay, with our differentiation yeah. and our accommodation. Yeah. When we're talking about our our unit plans, mm-hmm. what are some of the things that that are really like that are key things that we can do anytime? Like anchor yeah. charts.
0: Right. So that's a good point. Like some of these you can do in the moment. Some of these you can do like the morning of Mm -hmm. when you're prepping a lesson. And then some are a little more helpful to start at the beginning of a unit. Um, But you're right, like anchor charts. Yeah, That's a great support tool for kids that need extra support. And honestly, just every child. Like a lot of accommodations are good for all learners. Right, And it's good to put those in place. So if you start an anchor chart at the beginning of a unit, and you can just build that all unit, um, that helps everyone. Yeah. You know,
1: a, a super pro move that I've seen other teachers do too is when they've already taught the unit for a couple of years and they have their handouts, mm-hmm. they'll just print copies of those handouts and they'll add in the sentence starters or the vocab that, yep. you know, needs to be brought in to make sure that those kids have access.
0: Yeah. You just hit on two others that I was thinking actually, which was word walls and sentence starters. Yep. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love uh, when you've got your, and this is actually probably what we'll talk about next is the vocab. Right. Right.
0: Right. But yeah, no, word walls, if you start them, you know, early in a unit um, and you build, right, it's this constant visual um, support tool that kids can reference in the classroom. And then again, just circling back to what we already said, you know, end of the unit, you have a review day, you have a reflection day, and then you have even more tools to jog kid's memories and then you can leave them up for other units too yeah and spiral you know all the time
1: and i, I like what you said when when an accommodation is good for one student mm-hmm. it tends to be good for all students yeah
0: that's a great point point. and i think too for differentiation you know I, I think it's tempting to only think about um like different ability levels but you can also think about different learning styles that's a form of differentiation too uh, that you can include at the beginning of a unit, and that you know you can try to spiral in as often as you can, like student choice, you know, yeah. if if they can choose um, whether they want to write something or put together a visual representation, you know, that's differentiation because you're you're targeting, you're letting a student choose the way that works best for their brain, you know?
1: yeah, I think we, I mean, every kid, every adult too has a learning preference mm-hmm. right and as as much as often as we can give them some choice about how they're getting access to the material we should include that yeah i mean kids now love when they can go on youtube and search for their own video about how they're going to learn you know a certain science concept yeah i mean yeah. it's 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 perfect for them when when they can self select mm-hmm. their their medium to learn whatever the content is and if you're you know a true pro with your unit planning and you know what your standard is and your knowledge and skill, if you can bring in some autonomy and some student choice to say, yeah, like hey, for the next couple minutes, our goal is to master this concept, mm-hmm. but I want to give you some free time to explore the internet and see what you can discover, and then we can have you know a quick discussion about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been doing a lot. You made me think of this. I've been. Um, I got a PD a couple years ago on choice boards, yeah, and I've been including those way more. And they, they take some time to build. They, they do. But that's actually another thing. I try to do a choice board day every unit because I'll have maybe like a three by three grid, right? So there's nine options, and it's like you have twenty minutes to play around on the choice board and then fill out this note catcher or whatever. Um, but some options are YouTube videos, some options are articles, some options are artwork Mm -hmm. that they can analyze. Um, but that's always really cool. And I think you actually get to know, I almost feel like there's a small SEL, like social emotional component, because you see what your kids pick, what they self select, like you said, and then you learn a little bit more about them as learners because some of them pick things that I would have chosen something different for them, you know? Yeah.
1: When you do your choice board, what do you do it on? Do you do it on like Google Slides?
0: Yeah, I do slides or a doc and then just make it view only for them so that, you know, they can't goof it up. And then what I'll do is I'll have like a really small description in the box. I just do like a table and then I'll put a really small description of the source in the box with a hyperlink to the resource. And I
1: love that. Cause then when they were reviewing for their assessment coming up, they can go back through their choice board and they can look at choices that they didn't see. Totally. Or sometimes
0: them. my homework is like, do one more that you didn't right? and do this reflection question or something. And you know, I, I teach middle school. So this, this is slightly older kids, but I, I've seen people mirror this with younger ones too. Obviously you need to scaffold it a little bit differently for littles and they need different directions, but even little kids can choose the option that they want to do. I mean, they know themselves better than I think sometimes we give them credit for. Right. Yeah.
1: And I think one thing that we should remember is they should have as much ownership over their learning as you can really give them. Yeah. Like I know it's our job to make sure that we're, we're facilitating the instruction, and we're making sure that we're hitting those standards. But whenever we can give them choice, give them some choice.
0: Absolutely. That mirrors the real world, too. That's a real world skill, you know.
1: All right. So let's get really narrow with our last chapter we're here. At the bottom of the upside down pyramid we're at the bottom. Yeah, we're at the bottom of the pyramid. Love that visual. Oh, and we're talking about vocab now. <laughs> yeah. So you'd already said it before, like your your vocab, word mm-hmm. walls.
0: Word walls are great. I think, I this is so nerdy, but I think vocabulary is like super powerful. And I think that being even a little bit intentional about it can have a huge impact on kids because they can be such sponges. And even if it's choosing a couple terms during that unit that I'm going to use that are slightly more technical, if I'm using those words, they're they're going to pick up on it. They're mm-hmm. going to absorb those, you know? Um, and then of course, you know, thinking, about our specific students again do we have any kiddos who have English as a second language right and who might need a little bit more support with some of the terms that are going to give them access to understanding the information
1: I also like this is when you can collaborate with your other teachers you know what 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 vocab are they talking about in the books they're reading in the English class yes right
0: I love that
1: yeah like for the for the schools that have vocab quizzes, in what ways can you tie in the vocab that they're talking about in those classrooms yeah. that you can bring it into your classroom?
0: You just made me think of something else too. Uh, you'll have to jog my memory. The science, like paragraph, is it C-E-R? Mm-hmm. Like Claim Evidence Reasoning? Yep. So a couple years ago, I was working on more, I was trying to help provide more structure to my students' analytical writing yeah. because they were struggling a little bit. And a kid actually did this, of course, because they're super smart. And they're like, wait, is this like CER? I was like, oh my gosh. So even terms like that, like having a quick conversation with someone at lunch, like, hey, do you use this structure? Do you use that structure? And spiraling in terms like that can like click for kids when they're like, oh, wait, I know how to do that, mm -hmm. you know?
1: Yeah, I love it. You made me think of something too in science A lot of the times on our assessments, there's a technical vocab section, whether they're matching or whether they're filling in the blank, like so much of what they learn in science is vocab based. Mm -hmm. And when you can give them visual access to those terms, like through the word walls, it just helps everyone learn.
0: Absolutely. I love that. So yeah, I think that's kind of the, like the cherry on top is if you can be intentional about your vocabulary, even if you don't have like straight up vocabulary quizzes, just thinking about what key terms am I going to use in this unit? Are there any key terms that they must have in order to access information? Right. And then in general, just what support can we provide to, you know, grow their, their vocabulary?
1: And then you made me think, once you have your, your vocab, once you have your differentiation, once you have your diverse perspectives... Then you can go back into your your lesson planning sequence Mm -hmm. and just make sure that all right, if I have twelve key vocab terms, am I gonna front load them? Right. Or am I gonna do three every day? How am I spiraling in those terms? Yeah. And we always think about lesson planning as this, you know, perfect backwards planning process. Right. But it's recursive, right? You have to go back into it hundred percent. I got to make sure that, you know, I have all of the vocab terms that are going to support my English language learners. I kind of want to front load those in the unit so that I'm hitting them as often as possible. And maybe one of the things I'm doing is giving them the definitions early on.
0: Right. And that can be an accommodation. Yeah. Right. Or maybe it's I'm going to every day my do now or my warm up bell work, whatever you call it, is vocab based. Right. Right. And then it's like, I know I'm hitting it every day and it takes away a little bit of the thinking for me because I don't have to figure out what warm up I want to do every day. But you're right. It's all it's like <laughs> whether you're unit planning or lesson planning, some things you need to do in order. And also it's always cyclical, like you said, like you're always going back and and reviewing and adding. And um, it's hard. Unit planning yeah. is hard. Like it's it's very it takes a lot of thinking and like cognitive demands to get this right.
1: I, that's, I'm so glad you said that at the end because I think that one of the things that non-teachers don't appreciate is just how much thought goes into a, a unit. Yeah. You know, it's when it goes well, you don't see the behind the scenes thinking and yes. and, and maybe you shouldn't, right? Like it's it's difficult to do this planning. It yep. takes a lot of time. But at the end of the unit, when you look at your data and when the kids say that that was a great unit, you know that it's because of the time and the effort that you put in beforehand.
0: Absolutely. And when
1: the unit doesn't go well, how can you reflect and say, you know, this is what was missing up front?
0: Yeah. It's no wonder we're tired during this school year. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is intense stuff to think about.
1: But it's the summer and you can think, you know, Ugh. these are all of the big hopes and dreams and wishes for the upcoming school year. Right. You know, what are the pie in the sky ideas that you can add to your unit?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
1: All right. Well, I I think that's pretty good with Uniplan. I
0: think that's great. Let us know if there's anything you think we missed, you know, reach out on social media or send us a DM or something.
1: And thank you for listening to Schoolbridge. Take care. We'll see you soon.